Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the 24th episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. Since last week's episode, we've reached over 560 YouTube subscribers. So as always, a huge thank you to everyone for tuning in. If you like what we do, please like, share and subscribe. Comments also give us a big boost and we always respond to each one. If you're only here for Thistle of Cat Shorts, stick around. You might decide you like rugby too. A reminder to check out our Substack where we've just done a deep dive on all the key stats for every single URC team, what makes them sick and what their main weaknesses are. We are now also on TikTok. So if you want all of our short form content, uh, whether it's shorts or the little mini docs that we make, you can find those on there and give us a follow, give us a comment, give us a like. And uh, thank you very much in advance. But now we need to introduce this week's wonderful guest. It is uh, us finally taking off the last of the URC nations in Scotland. You may know her as a maker of candles. You may also know her as the maker of the famous Celtic conspiracy mug, <laughs> which I have here. Uh, she is the Scottish Rugby fan, Miss Isle Panda, a.k.a. Leslie. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Very excited. Thanks for coming on, Leslie. Shall we kick off with our moment of the week? And Ender's got something he wants to boast about for his moment of the week. Yeah, I'm just going to boast and be that guy. Uh, first time I've done it, to be fair. Um, but basically, I'm in a Super Brew Predictor League. And at one stage over the weekend, so this is pretty Invest Tech Champions Cup, but at one stage over the weekend, I hit number one in Ireland, which is pretty cool. I'm now in third, unfortunately. Um, and I hit 39th globally. So that was pretty exciting. And first in the Honey Cup Predictor League that our mate Kalon uh, set up. So... Yeah, that's my boast of the week. Um, I uh, I wasn't there for long, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the you, highlight of my so weekend. It, it, picking Munster to lose every week is really pay, paying off for you. <laughs> yeah, it is tough putting down that, that Connacht may lose. Um, <laughs> but I predicted a Connacht victory this weekend. And thankfully, that was one of my uh, the one of the ones I got right. Um, but that's enough for me. Uh, Hugh, what was your moment of the week? Uh, so my moment of the week, uh, it was a rugby moment, and it's just watching the the whole of um, uh, Bordeaux Burglar versus Bulls, or Bulls versus you, Bordeaux, uh, it Loftus. Um, a great game. I had really high hopes for it. Yes, there was one or two stars missing from both sides, um, but it was a fantastic game. Really high intensity, really high skill level. It got a bit silly at one point, which we'll talk about later, just lots of tries going in, but it, it was a real feast of rugby, and I think... Harlequins Ulster was on at the same time and I was like why would you choose that game I'm watching this game um I loved it so yes that was my moment Leslie what was yours uh, not a good one 
but um, my bad moment is probably poor Adam Hastings is out of the Scotland team again with injury. Poor guy cannot catch a break. Uh, I think this is what, the third time or something in 18 months he's been uh, injured. So just he, I listened to a podcast one, um, with him through the week and he was like so excited to be back playing and poor guy is uh, injured at the weekend and now out of the Scotland team. Yeah, he's just done a big interview, hasn't he, as well? I think in, a, in a, one of the written papers about how he's finally broken his injury curse and spoke too soon, yeah. very sadly. Yeah, last game before, or second last game, rather. But yeah, real shame. We're okay. about to sit well, on the ground at 10. Yeah, you have to <laughs> scour the well, globe. It's good news like for someone good. like Ben Healy. Yes, yeah, I think he'll he'll likely be the, the backup now. No competition for him so much. Yeah, if he can actually get onto the bench and like he did in the World Cup. But yeah, fingers crossed. I, he's been a hell of a player in the URC so far. Yeah. So anyway, let's go on to our bit of news. So uh, Matt uh, Harley on Twitter has been uh, his big thing, a bit like our big thing, is rugby attendances. And he's been tweeting uh, today, he did a piece in City AM about how um, attendances for European Cup are up compared to last year. Uh, a lot of the English clubs are up slightly, but teams uh, like the South African teams and Bordeaux in particular are up thousands upon thousands, um, giving the uh, competition a real boost. I guess, Leslie, um, were were the rumours of European rugby's demise greatly exaggerated? Has Have we all been proved wrong? I wonder if it's not just obviously South Africans joining us, but the fact that we're out of COVID for, well, not out of COVID, but restrictions have been out for a little while now. People are maybe getting back to going out, a bit more money. No one's on furlough anymore. And a uh, bit, more, bit more of a chance to see some, there's been some good contests too, some good matchups of teams. So and I know the format hasn't been loved by many, uh, especially on X this week, but um, there's no, been no dead rubbers, so you know people have been saying that they're good teams. So there's, there's maybe been a bit more in it than uh, we might have seen in the past. Yeah, more of occasion, I guess. What about you? And yeah, that? yeah, I think it's it's really good because I'm all I remember reading, especially on on broadcast rights, was you know post World Cup there was going to be this big drop off in viewership and attendances at all major Europe at all major competitions, and I know with the the Prem domestically like it it didn't do so well at the beginning of the season um but it does seem like especially over that festive period that those attendances were up we know urc attendances are up again top 14 games set out every weekend and now we've seen the, the big increase in european cup games i think it's just it's it's brilliant like i know it's easy i think sometimes to get sucked into the debate of which league is better than than the other or whatever but i think it's great that european rugby as a whole and south african rugby seems to be thriving especially attendance wise since the World Cup, um, I think that that's just really impressive. And now we've got the Six Nations coming up. We've got the documentary coming out tonight slash tomorrow. Um, I think it's it's really healthy. And I, and with all the talk as well about, um, and you see plenty of this on Twitter about English fans and maybe some French fans, you know, and 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 the, I think the minority probably of Scottish, Irish, and Welsh fans who who maybe aren't the biggest fans of European or of uh, South African uh, involvement in the European competition. I think it's. It's proved that well. Fans certainly 
uh, the fans attending those stadiums uh, don't have anything, you know, against that, and they're, and they're they're showing up, which I think is really important. And um, but yeah, as Leslie touched on, we can talk about the the format another day, and it, it's not perfect, but it's it's just for me, it's it's a great news story um, that people are coming back to to stadiums. And um, what about yourself, Hugh? Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to um, recognise as well the Irish fans' contribution to this because you hear the stories of like three and a half thousand Munster fans going to Toulon and despite Munster's um, not great performances this year with all of the context to that, that like the um, figures they're getting at um, Toman Park and things like that are absolutely huge um, viewing figures um, in attendances for rugby. So I think, um, and obviously Leinster have really been turning in the big uh, attendance figures for several years now. I mean, like to be fair to them. So yeah. um, And the South Africans seem to be buying into the competition a bit more. Obviously it's new to them. And, you know, we speak to them. We're lucky enough to speak to some South African rugby fans quite regularly and they are still wrapping their head around it because it's a completely foreign concept to them, but they are getting there. And who knows if they start going deep into these competitions. I mean, I posted um, my win rates of um, each nation so far and South Africa have the highest win rate in Europe um, of any nation so far. So that's not to be sniffed at. I mean, even the cheaters have gone through to the knockouts of the Challenge Cup, which we'll talk about later. So, yeah, a rising tide lifts all ships. And, um, yeah, it's good to see after a lot of the doom and gloom that we had, particularly over the World Cup. Uh, in some countries, to be fair, you know, it, I'm sure there's a lot of countries who be listening, thinking there was no doom and gloom over here. So, uh, yeah, it's just nice to have a bit of a good news story um, knocking around at the moment. Um, some other news that has broken in the last 24 hours. We kind of knew about it previously. Um, Owen Farrell's move to Racing 92 has been confirmed, a two year deal. Uh, he is the latest big name fly half to move to the French capital following the likes of Finn Russell, Johnny Sexton, Dan Carter and, and others. Um, Leslie, what do you say to this? Is this a, it felt like a huge shock when it was initially broken a few weeks ago. Is it fair to say most people are kind of like on board with it at this point? Yeah, I think so. Um, it changes because rest and all that. Um, he's been at what, Saracens for what, 16 years or something like that, since he was 18 or something like that. It's a long time in one place. Um, and from what we've heard from, you know, people who've been at Racing, you know, our Finns and things like that, he seems to have loved the club and the environment. So, you know, good on him. I hope he, I hope he gets what he's looking for from it. Um, it's, it'll be different, I'm sure, but I hope it's the break and you know from english rugby and english media that he is hope, hoping for i think it's a good move for him i hope it's I hope it's great yeah do you want to come in on that end yeah and it'll just be with the six nations obviously just right around the corner it's going to be fascinating uh, watching england now and, and seeing how they adopt and and who they'll have uh or the adapter should say and, and who they'll have in a 10 will it be marcus smith um, it'll just be really fascinating to see and just yeah fair play to him for making the move uh, the interesting part is now obviously that Racing are looking to potentially offload a good few players now because they're getting close to their, their salary cap they're probably out their salary cap so they're going to have to to offload so there'll be some serious talent I'd say out there um, which is another interesting take and it'll be reunited with Stuart Lancaster you know after all those years but yeah I was initially yeah, very very shocked because he does seem like a one club man who's like he's Mr Saracen's 
Um, he was England captain, but yeah, it's probably going to be great for his mental health, which is probably the most important thing. But yeah, we're going to miss him in, in, in Six Nations, but that's fair play to him. Well, just on the, from the England point of view, the news broke today that Ollie Lawrence is out of the Six Nations injured, which is a huge blow to, to England. And with Tuolagi out and Farrell not available, making himself unavailable, who's now going to play inside centre for England? It's, it's going to be someone very new, very untested. So, yeah, it's... Um, they're, they're going to start missing him quite badly quite soon, I think. And, you know, I, I do, do believe that uh, he was England's Johnny Sexton in terms of the impact it, it was when he wasn't there as much as when he was there. Alan Wynne Jones was the same for Wales for a time as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, um, what is it? Um, passing makes the heart grow stronger, something like that. Um, I think that there'll be a lot of. A lot of us, not just England fans, everybody you will start missing Owen Farrell pretty hard pretty soon. Right, so let's have a bit of a chat about Scottish rugby then. That's why we've got Leslie on. So I've said a few horrible things about Scottish rugby, <laughs> and I'm not sorry. Um, but Le- Leslie is here with her power of reply to tell us why I'm so wrong today and why I should why I should be sorry. Um, so let's uh, just talk about, Leslie, your experience as a fan. So you did a fantastic thread uh, a few weeks ago talking about you know when we rugby and it's whole, whole grow the game thing you are quite new to maybe not international rugby but you're new, quite new to club rugby so do you want to talk us through kind of your journey and how you've, you've come to rugby a bit later in life maybe? So I always watched um, international rugby so whenever Six Nations come around I would always watch it. I Probably knew maybe half a dozen of probably the Scotland players at the time who would be playing. Couldn't really tell you anything about, you know, who was in front row or anything like that. I might know some of the backs, but um, so uh, I always watched it with my dad. We used to sometimes go to either a Six Nations game or uh, an autumn test. And it wasn't until uh, lockdown, COVID and all that, that I kind of got into podcasts and I thought well I'll try and maybe get you know a couple of rugby podcasts uh found um I think it was a rugby pod at the time um and thought oh, that's okay I think you know quite funny they you know they talk about about the prem and uh I thought okay that's quite good but I'm maybe a bit more interested in Scottish rugby rather than the prem so I started seeking out uh Scottish rugby podcast and found Scottish rugby podcast um the guys over there and you know you if you're it, it, they're quite funny and it's not too serious so you kind of get swept along and, and you know the kind of the chat and obviously they're talking about Edinburgh Glasgow every week and different players and I thought well you know I'm hearing about all these people I, I should maybe check out some of these games so that when they're talking, I have our kind of understanding about what, what they're talking about. I kind of got um, into it from there. So I, I think I signed up for Viaplay and, you know, started checking out uh, some Edinburgh uh, games because they're my closest team, probably, closer than Glasgow. So kind of went from there, really. Um, and I've pretty much followed Scottish rugby, professional game since since then so yeah uh try and catch a game every week if i can uh and 
at least one of Glasgow or Edinburgh if I can, depending on when it's on and all that. And so yeah, that's kind of how I found rugby later in life. The for me, it was very much a, a kind of social thing when you're kind of locked down. You know, you've got they're not, they're not friends, but they're they're people having a chat. You feel like you're part of it. So that's kind of yeah how I came to it. So I didn't come through club rugby or didn't know anyone who played. Wasn't involved in any teams or anything like that. Never played myself. Didn't even realise women's rugby was a thing until probably a few years ago. So yeah, bit bit late to to rugby, but we got there in the end. And uh, you spoke in your thread a little bit about. Robbie's constant struggle to attract new fans and how they've kind of had a few missteps along the way maybe in the mainstream media particularly in the UK of how how to do that so what what do you make of the way that Robbie goes about trying to attract new fans and do, do you think that some of the efforts that they put together is what attracted you or do you think you kind of came to Robbie in spite of some of those things I think a lot of the rugby media worries far too much about stuff that new fans don't care about. Um, so we see, you guys will see it on X and Twitter all the time, you know, like, oh my God, there's too much kicking or, oh my God, this kick battle lasted a whole 30 seconds in a eight minute game or something like that. And yeah, if you're a new fan, if you've never seen it before or you're fairly casual to it, these things don't, don't matter, you know. It's just you're watching it for the whole thing, the whole spectacle. 30 seconds of kicking is not, you know, going to stop somebody from watching if they're interested. Um, so especially, you know, people like Squidge kind of do a good job of explaining, you know, like why kicking's not bad. So stuff like that I found really good and helpful. So that when you're watching a game and there is a bit of a kick battle, you know they're trying to gain territory or force the other team into a mistake it's not necessarily just this is a kick battle you know they're kicking it to each other for fun kind of thing you know um but the the media seems to have this kind of hand-wringing of everything that rugby does must be bad it seems to want to beat itself up all the time and that it can't possibly attract new fans if there's too much kicking or there's too many scrums or I just don't think that's the case. You know, if you're new to rugby and you're watching a scrum, you're like, oh, kind of, I don't really know what's happening, but it's quite exciting, you know. You know, maybe this maybe the scrum has collapsed a couple of times, but if you've got someone that you can kind of refer to that's maybe a bit more knowledgeable to explain to you why, you know, you know one team got the penalty, one didn't, that kind of thing, it, you know, you don't, you're not questioning so much why, it's happening or you don't think it's a bad thing necessarily you know you don't you don't have any baggage that comes with it you know? yeah I love that you mentioned scrums Leslie because like I spent a lot of time in America and like any any of my friends or anybody I knew who watch rugby or anything about like they'd love the scrum and they'd, they'd want to know more about it people who are trying I feel who are getting into rugby or they've some sort of interest they want to understand the scrum they don't want to see less scrums like they they love it they love yeah. the idea it's not something you see in other sports necessarily so like it's it's unique and I think it should be celebrated and just like the kicking as well instead of instead of just maybe criticizing it why don't we just analyze it during the game and yeah. um, instead of just 
complaining or just saying kick tennis, foot tennis, whatever. And, and and you're so right about those. This is definitely one of the gripes of mine, especially in terms of scrum time, when you have those collapsed scrums. Use that time to analyze why that scrum collapsed. Let's do a little uh, player profile. Why did it collapse? Like there are so many interesting facets I think you can hone in on and it will get people interested. And one final point I'd just like to make on this as well, and, and it's so interesting that you brought it up, is just like the, some broadcasters and commentators who will be, and former players, who openly are like employed by these broadcasters and then just complain about not understanding the scrum or saying there are too many resets or there's too many like too much kicking in. Again, for me, that's just time that can be used to, to analyse and, and to focus and pretend like you're interested, I guess. Um, but just one final thing, actually, Leslie, and this maybe isn't something we discussed beforehand, but just, like we hear a lot about growing the game and, and getting people in. And there's, all, there's this whole piece, I think, around, you know, we should focus on the players, their personalities, their life outside of rugby, their social media presence. Is that where you kind of see, is that how you would see the, the sport growing or is it more just maybe focusing on what what makes rugby unique? Um, like just because you've got, I know you're always kind of interested, especially in international game, but what do you think really got you hooked? I know you mentioned COVID and having all that that extra time, but like, is this a bigger social media presence from, from players, or or what is it? Do you think? From your yeah, experience? I think we. I, I think it would help. We, I mean, you know, the Scotland squad was announced fairly recently, like all the the teams, and do we really know much about them? Probably not. You know, we don't know what their personalities are like. We we maybe see them a few minutes over a the end of a match if someone's won you know player of the match award we, we hear a fairly generic piece from them you know um yeah I think not that you you necessarily want to be like all sports but if you can get somebody interested in a particular player or, or players there's a reasonable chance that they'll follow them as they go in different clubs and you know I, I Obviously, I've Scottish. I, I knew Finn Russell. So when he went to Racing, um, I knew Finn played there. So you know, I'll try and watch a few games so that I can see Finn play. You know, so that yeah. you you have a kind of understanding of how he's playing in, in terms of the wider Scotland team. You know, so, and, you know now that he's moved to Bath, I've, I caught the Bath game this weekend. You know, I wouldn't yeah. normally watch the Prem. But because he's there, I'm interested to see how he plays and how he does in that environment. And I'd I'd love to see you know a bit more about different players and their personalities. But we we don't really see it. And when we do hear them speak, it's very prescribed, very not corporate, but very sanitized kind of. We we don't really see much. I think the women's game's a lot better those personalities rather than the men's game we don't they don't give anything away and maybe they don't want to because of backlash or something like that but I think it would be good it gets people in people are interested in other people you know yeah I think it's just the reason that they don't do that some kind of weird old money pride thing the reason that men's rugby doesn't do those things it's like oh we're above that sort of thing kind of attitude it's a little bit it's a bit British, isn't it? It's like we, it don't, is. we don't talk about ourselves. You know, we don't yeah. we don't put ourselves out there. So talk us through some of the things about like in the women's game that you found really uh, appealing then or you thought were particularly good. Because I, I completely agree, like I know like Wales women's team has done some great stuff. Like 
England England's women's team like for someone who is supposed to be anyone but England every time I see a bit of content with the England women's team I'm like will you stop being so bloody likable I'm trying to hate you over here <laughs> so so what for you um did the did the women's team do better so their behind the scenes content I think is a lot better we see a lot more personalities and a lot more fun than we do in a lot of the men's game they're much more willing to be themselves um, and um, Scotland girls often do sort of games and things on TikTok and uh, you know they'll do dances and things like that which you know we're not we're not going to see big do hand doing dances you know on TikTok you know um, also the the interviews I, f- I find that the the women give we we hear a lot more um, information about how they're actually feeling about the game and it's it feels very real you know Rachel Malcolm uh, Scotland captain uh, used to do the official Scottish podcast I don't know if she still does but she often speaks very eloquently about you know the, the team and you know how how much it means to her playing for the team and if they've had a loss and you know how that's affected her and we just don't see that so much you know in the men's game they'll say oh yeah it's a bad loss you know but we don't we don't really hear them eloquently speak about how they actually feel you know it's very it's very sanitized um so yeah so they're much more much more free much we don't seem to have this kind of baggage that maybe the men have they're just happy to be themselves and I think that's great you you get involved in the personalities you know that's that's what you want to see you want to see people enjoying their environment having a good time that's what and then you know if you're interested in particular players again it feeds back into you watch them play because you've you've seen them yeah okay uh, then so oh, do you want to come in there mate sorry I, I was just going to mention i know monster um i know i've never actually accessed any of this this content but they have that they they sell their monthly subscription i think it's like four quid a month it's called access monster and they do a load of behind the scenes content and monster fans are always raving about it but i think that's exactly what they get to see they get to see their players just be themselves and just having a laugh in the background going to training and doing all these different things i think that it's stuff like that i think which which will help grow although monster was like they could put anton out and i think their fans would subscribe to it wouldn't they because they have such a loyal following but i think content like that is probably touching on that as well which is great at an affordable price and you just get to know the the players more and i think and i know we're going to talk about later but but with the Six Nations um, piece coming out, you know, on, on Netflix, I think that that could be something that will help the sport because you'll obviously get to see um, more of the players and um, more will learn more about their personalities. There'll be someone who's not very well known right now who in 24 hours will be the most talked about rugby player yeah. in the Northern Hemisphere. That, that's kind of cool to think about it. And so what you guys are talking about, I think we're seeing a great example of it in Welsh rugby at the moment where you've got a team like the Ospreys who are going really hard on their fan connectivity and their fans are really loving it. They're not quite doing like behind the scenes stuff. Although if they did do more of that, then I'm sure that the fans would buy into it because they've got such, such a great feeling. And then you've got a club like the Scarlets who are very um, iron curtain with um, the keeping the gap between the, the players, especially and the fans. Um, which you know on Scarlet's Fever we're working to break down, but yeah, I think it, it's it's interesting to draw that conclusion. I completely agree with that every uh, thing that both of you have said. So anyway, so let's talk about just the feeling generally about Scottish rugby now, because 
in uh, the old best league over here. Um, Glasgow and Edinburgh are both in the top five. Now, Glasgow have been in and around the top of the URC for a while, but Edinburgh, not necessarily so. I have How many times have Edinburgh made the playoffs? It's not many, is it? I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Uh, once, maybe, that I'm aware of, but yeah, not. it's not often. Not compared to Glasgow, anyway. No, but it's a hell of a team that Edinburgh have got now, and they're going really well. They they, they should be going better for the players they have, I would think. Uh, you've got, you know, Buffelli, Duhan, Darcy, uh, Wes Goosenbeer's pretty good, but we don't seem to be harnessing them very much at the moment. But relatively new coach, not been here all that long, going to take a little bit of time to get people playing how he wants them to play plus a new 10 new 910 partnership as well this year um so it, it definitely doesn't feel anywhere clicking as they should yet it feels very much a work in progress they've had some wins that ben healy has dragged them through himself uh with his with his boot but i'm not I love them dearly, but I'm not convinced by them at the moment. Just for the team they have, they should be they should be up there. Uh, you know, especially over the last couple of seasons, up there in the URC, they're just they're just not. Glasgow yeah. going pretty good. Yeah, they're doing so, a lot better. Yeah, so um, Glasgow had a really, really, really strong start to the season. I think they went undefeated in the whole of November, but they've had a bit of a wobble lately. Would you would you put that down to? Is it just a blip or? They've they've had a few injuries in the back row, which I think have played a big part, and and they've not had Jack Dempsey or Matt Fagerson for you know they hadn't had them out for a good few weeks. They had George Horn out for a good few weeks as well, um, and it still managed to scrape through some wins. But they've now got Matt Fagerson back and Jack Dempsey, um, you know pretty good ball carriers which I think they were kind of missing when they were they were out uh, we've all Glasgow have also played pretty much everyone in the top five now I think so everyone they've still to play is our beloved Welsh teams and our Italian teams um you would hope they would continue to pick up some wins there uh, mm. so I, I think Glasgow are probably the better prospect for the rest of the season compared to Edinburgh, I don't think we'll see them because I think they've still got South African teams to play away, which doesn't fill me with the greatest of confidences. Yeah, and uh, what, tell me about how Glasgow play in their game plan because I, I was reviewing some stats and Glasgow are, are rock bottom of the URC in terms of kicking stats, which is quite weird because they're obviously third in the league and we're always told like the team that kicks the most usually wins, but Glasgow hardly ever kick. So how, how does that work? What have they have they gamed the system? Have they discovered the decodification of rugby? They've got, I think, a couple two things to their well. They've got a very good rolling mall. So if you if you've got it, you're going to use it. I think anyway. Why, you know, why reinvent the wheel? You know, mm. if this is your mall is really good at working against the big teams, you know, keep keep doing it. I'm also not sure about the kicking abilities of some of the backline in Glasgow. 
as in their accuracy. So I wonder if that's why they don't kick as much. They, they don't have the accuracy maybe that they maybe need to, to do that. They're looking that's to bring in yeah, they're looking to bring in a new number ten, aren't they? Because they haven't they haven't got like a a star ten. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair. They've got um, Tom Jordan, who's playing ten, but probably a twelve. But with Sione and Hugh Stafford McDowell, he's probably only game time he's getting is ten at the moment. Ross Thompson was out injured for a long time. Uh, just came back and then was injured again. So he's been out for a long, long time and it's going to take him time to kind of get back to, to where he was. I know he's had a couple of bench bench spots, but yeah, they don't have they don't have a real great ten. So I don't know if they're if they're looking for one, to be honest, but they could certainly do with do with one. Even just mm. for goal kicking accuracy. <laughs> well they got Boff now Boff's oh no that's Edinburgh sorry no, Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah I was getting confused because it's mad that Edinburgh had Buffelli and Kinghorn like, I thought it was just Toulouse was supposed to hold fullbacks <laughs> anyway um, so yeah so do you, do you think Edinburgh will hang on to that playoff spot do you think this is their year no, no I don't no I don't just because the They've got some probably tougher games coming up. I'm just not sure if they're quite clicking enough yet for that for them to win those games. Unfortunately, um, okay. obviously I would love it. It would be great, but I think it's too early on in their new coaching setup. I think I think it'll need another another season to probably really kick on. I think they could. They've got some injuries too. Uh, just, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. Plus, we're going to have a load of guys out with Six Nations and things. They'll have rest time probably when they come back. So, relying on squad guys, academy guys, and I just don't know if Edinburgh have the same depth that Glasgow do to to handle mm. that. But. But yes, I, I would love it, but I don't think we'll, we'll see it this year. OK, well, that that's us talking about Edinburgh and Glasgow's men's teams. But of course, they now have uh, women's teams playing in the Celtic Challenge, which yes. is something that you and I have um, conversed about several times that we're both enjoying. Yes. Um, what have you made of the Celtic Challenge so far? Have you been enjoying it? And what's your just general thoughts of the competition so far? So I, I watched it last year and it was the first year, which was not easy to find. Um, and this year with Edinburgh and Glasgow now having their own teams and being aligned with the men's team from a Scottish rugby perspective makes an awful lot of sense when there's already a recognised fan base there. Uh, the games have been pretty good. The first game between Edinburgh and Glasgow I thought was great. Uh, I thought Edinburgh really good. Uh, they've got a standout player in um, Briar McNamara, she's very good, great boot on her, uh, number 12. Is she the Fantastic. one with the funny nickname? Oh, I don't know if she has what. Uh, Someone. Does she have a nickname? One of the Scottish players has got a funny nickname, I can't remember what it was. I, I, oh, 
come back come back to it carry on, carry on speaking. Uh, so and last year i you know the the welsh and irish girls it was very much a, a development um competition so we didn't really see as many international stars that we're seeing in the irish and welsh teams this year so it's been a lot harder but this league was meant to be a development between club rugby and a stepping stone to international so playing against your Alex calendars and things is probably doing all the teams involved a lot of good I would say been some great games some pretty close games uh yeah it's been good I'm looking forward to coming back this weekend I think or is it next weekend I can't remember. yeah it's this weekend it is yeah back and then we're weekend, into the yeah. then we're into the weird playoff thing that no one understands yeah 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 but Edinburgh have been getting good crowds, haven't they? They keep that. I have to say, Edinburgh's um, social media has been doing a great job of promoting the team. Yeah. Um, so I think the first the Glasgow and Edinburgh game had about two thousand people there, or just under. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, we're not seeing that in some of the men's games in URC, even if it's a, not a great fixture. So to to be to be getting that is is great. And the following weeks, I think Edinburgh and Glasgow both had just under a thousand each when they were both playing at home. For for girls who are not professional and this is their first time playing in this competition as Edinburgh and Glasgow, I think it's you you can't complain at those kind of numbers. Yeah. You know, takes gonna take time. But I think it's it's been great. Um great to see some girls I've seen before, you know, coming through age grade. Scottish rugby now playing for these teams. It's been it's been great to see. Yeah, we'll just t- touch on that age grade stuff in a second. But um, something else we've spoken about is uh, the experience of using rugby pass, which is something that we talked about on this pod um, when it came out. Ender was um, doing a lot of research into what it's been like. What's your experience using rugby pass TV so far? It has been awful. <laughs> Um, so even even at home, you can watch anything on the telly, no problem. Don't really have any interruptions, but Rugby Pass will pause, it will buffer all the time. Uh, that's if you can find the games, that's if they start on time. We had that, um, I think it was the first Irish ladies game in the Celtic Challenge, didn't start till like, 30 minutes into the game which is just such a bad look for for this new competition uh just it's it's not been enjoyable and I think if you're unless you're a really dedicated fan you're you're going to give up on that fairly quickly it's just not particularly good to use uh or particularly intuitive I don't think for for some people yeah not not a great user experience yeah, it's the it's the um, game clock not stopping when the referee stops the clock that has really been messing with me, and you got no idea how long is left of the game. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if some of that is because the the local broadcaster, whoever's the home game is, is you know running this effectively, and and, and rugby pass are just getting the stream, but some of it's been very poor. Yeah, it's not it's not been great. Uh, yeah, don't recommend. Hopefully, hopefully it's just a sign like 
it is still new, I think, which is important. So hopefully things like it, it can only improve, I think. And for me, now I wouldn't like I haven't watched an awful lot of Celtic Challenge games, and um, so I, you know, I don't have I haven't suffered that that kind of bad experience or whatnot. But you'd like to think it's a good starting point that we have it, and um, because for a while there, especially when we first started, when he and I first started potting, it was you know hard to watch some games because they just literally were not streamed. So like, at least now we have you know, a source for this and a place that you can probably watch a game if it hasn't been picked up by a local broadcaster. But yeah, as you said, like obviously they've got work to do. Um, but let's not, yeah, I, I suppose the important thing is too where rugby is behind this. So hopefully they take this feedback uh, and certainly improve it. But for me, from the outside looking in, it, it's good that we have something. But I could imagine if I was watching, I'd be very frustrated um, with that experience. But fingers oh crossed. Is it, has it improved actually as the competition's gone on? Or has this just been? So the, the the Scotland home games have been on iPlayer, which okay. has been night and day <laughs> compared to uh, what Rugby Pass has been churning out. Um, I don't understand why they're not. I I know it's great having your own platform and you can control your content, but to not have these games on YouTube feels of a misstep maybe especially because rugby pass tv is free anyway yeah although i suspect they're planning to do paid content at some point because there's a whole section in the my account for um setting up a card a credit card which does make me think you're not going to put that in there if you're not planning to use it mm. but yeah at the moment while they are free it just seems it's, you know the sevens competition is on there um, it used to be on YouTube, and now you've, you're you're just forcing people to create an account to watch Sevens and I just or to watch Celtic Challenge, and I just you've got to sign up to do it. You can't just watch it, which just makes it a bit disappointing. I think a bit of a misstep. Yeah, people might find it easier to watch on YouTube, especially because you can. Um, you know, pair it to the telly, stuff like that. It's easy to watch, you know. And I just, I don't know if Rugby Pass TV is a big enough product yet to, to entice people in to watch it compared to like a YouTube. That's uh, my only break with it. Yeah, interesting. And as a uh, last point on the Kelty Challenge, as a fellow kit aficionado, um, what have you made of the kits in the competition? Obviously, the Scottish uh, teams are pretty much the same as their URC counterparts, but a bit more um, variation in the in the Welsh and the Irish. So, what have you made of those? I think it's fair to say I'm not a fan. <laughs> they are. Um, I get where they're trying to go. They're trying to, you know, either join two regions or join two provinces and make it into something. But that yellow and gold, especially. Uh, I think it's one of the Welsh teams. Just horrid. Absolutely horrid. Yes. Not a fan. Uh, they also look like really poor fits. The, the sort of Harlequin Square uh, tops. I don't know who the kit supplier is, but... It's Canterbury. Is it Canterbury? They look very poor fits for the, the girls, but I think the, the Scottish girls have like um female fit kit. I don't know if the others are. 
Well, they 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 should because um, the Welsh teams and the Scottish teams are both Macron, so you would think it would be same kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's disappointing that the the Glasgow and the Edinburgh girls kit's not um is not available to buy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Which is a mm-hmm. bit but yeah, same same for the Welsh kits as well. We were talking about this on Scarlet's Fever yesterday, and it'd be nice if it was available to to buy definitely. Anyway, um, last point on Scottish rugby then before we move on to touching a bit of Champions Cup then. Um, so every time, this is again something I've seen you tweet about, every time the Scotland uh, international team is um, announced, there's always chat about um, the eligibility of the players and where these players have come from. Now, this is a this is a topic that we on the Pirate Rugby are very don't have much time for people who who focus in on this and do you, what's your view on how quote-unquote scottish some of the players are and does it even matter to me i don't i don't care as long as they are within world rugby's eligibility rules you know i don't i don't care if it's their granny or their mum or their dad you know it doesn't matter um these guys and girls have a a, a choice and if they don't want to play for Scotland, then that's fine. But for those that do, then, you know, they're still putting their bodies on the line for Scotland, for the shirt, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't think it matters at all to me, you know, especially for guys who've come from England and things. People move around, you know, from Scotland to England. It's like I could, you know, Newcastle's not even two hours away from me. And I think, you know, does, does it make you inherently that different? Probably not. You know, if you're, we see especially like sort of, um, Hamish Watson's a good example. You know, born in Manchester, only ever came through Scottish Excels programme, only ever wanted to play for Scotland. I think it's his, you know, his name is Hamish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wasn't interested in, he could have probably went down the road and played for for England. Chose not to. So I I don't you know if if you're seeing him as less Scottish for want of a better word than a guy who just happens to be born you know two hours up the road. I don't. I think that's a really weird outlook to have. Yeah. Um. But even you know Duhan, we've seen him. You may have seen him talking a couple of times now about how. You know, it was Edinburgh that they gave him his club career back after a, a poor time at Montpellier. And, you know, Edinburgh took a chance on him. And if it wasn't for Richard Cockrell in Edinburgh at the time, he he probably wouldn't be playing anymore. And he feels that's a, you know, playing for Scotland is a great way to pay that back almost. Mm. Um, so, no, I don't I don't have an issue with it. And. It's just really weird to be obsessed about where someone was born, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, weird. Especially in the UK for me, because yeah, it's it's three countries, but it's also one country. Like, and so it's not the same as like moving from I don't know Egypt to France or some something, you know. Like it, it's mm-hmm. it's you can literally just move house and have crossed a border, but. That that's literally it. I know, like, there's a, one or two different laws between the three nations, but very yeah. minor stuff. It's not like you need a passport to go across the border. It's not like um, you, you can literally just get a job, like you said, 
an hour and a half down the road and technically be in another country and you can have someone who was born and grew up in England and their identity being like no I am Scottish or I am Welsh and that be unequivocal so yeah I completely agree with you I think it's generally like it's not a, a very productive conversation to have anywhere but I think in the UK especially it's just a bit daft to be honest yeah yeah right okay let's talk about some rugby matches then so champions so the the pool stages of um the european cup is over cups are over i'm going to float this out there and i'll get, get your thoughts i'll start with ender is it too much rugby there's 42 teams now playing in europe is it too many teams is it too many rugby matches for one person to watch definitely is do i like it though i kind of do um but yeah, it's too many games. Uh, I don't like the format. I do like the inclusion of South African teams. I just think it should be more of a, an elite competition. Um, th- that's all I was saying. Like th- there are too many games. It's so hard. Like what were there twelve Investec Champions Cup games this weekend, and then what nine Challenge Cup games? Like it's it's impossible. Well, you can, but it's quite difficult for somebody who has a, a life outside rugby to to watch all of those games and to have all those subscriptions. Um, and just for me, growing up, you know, watching the Munsters and Nenses of this world win European Cups, it was just felt so much more elite back then. And if you lost the game, you were almost, that was it, you know, uh, whereas now you'll see a lot of teams getting through to the, the final 16 or whatever the head it is, um, you know, with a couple of losses. I just don't think it's that elite anymore. Um, yeah. What's your take on it, Leslie? It's too much rugby. Uh, it just feels like the World Cup was yesterday. Um, and we were right right into Europe again. Um, we we also hear an awful lot around you know oh you know we want to look after players and player welfare, but we're happy to flog players from URC and then World Cup to Europe and then they're back into Six Nations and most of them will have had very little break in that time. And Pools are quite big, as you say. I think we could, you could make them a little bit smaller. People have slightly less game time. Make it a bit more of a competition. It just, especially this year with it being a World Cup year, it just feels a lot. And I, you know, it's a lot for us watching. I can't imagine if you're a player who's played, you know, if you're a South African player and you've played the World Cup right to the very last game, and then you're back to club and then playing Europe back I can imagine that probably feels a lot yeah and the rugby championship before that as well like it's yep it's non-stop yeah it takes a lot for me to uh, be an absolutely rugby addict that I am for me to like see a game that's on and be like no I don't I don't want to watch it I would like to do something else for a bit that is saying a lot for me um that's not least because uh to watch the Champions Cup, you've got to use the Discovery Plus app, which I am looking forward to getting rid of. <laughs> yeah, for all the people who said bad things about via play, Discovery Plus takes the cake. Um, anyway, so to be uh, about some games. So I think the big shock of the weekend was Munsters slipping up at home again. They've had a really poor campaign. I mean, what do we think of? monster at the moment i mean they got the huge crowds they had the leads they had uh, playing against 14 men and they just they've had some you know like i said some just 
disappointing results this European campaign. They've gone through to the last 16, but by the skin of their teeth. I might just touch on that just to start with. Yeah, just you have to, you can't ignore the injuries, um, especially in the second row. It's definitely affected them. Conditions were poor, but one thing I definitely like to highlight is just the quality of Northampton and, and the quality of English teams like so far in the European competition, they've been really good. Um, the Galler Premiership for a lot of reasons has been has been slated in the last couple of seasons, but um, I think it's I do watch some Galler Premiership games and I think it is of a, an improving quality and I think uh, that's reflected in some of the results. And like let's not forget that Northampton also went to uh, Glasgow as well and beat them at home. Like that never happens. I can't remember before that when the last time it was that that Glasgow lost at home. And um, so I think you have to, to factor that in as well, especially Finn at number ten. He's really good. So. That's one thing to, to mention, um, but yeah, I just think for Munster, it, it's it's been a been an interesting season. They've been hammered with injuries. They put in some like that that performance. I think away to Toulon was fantastic, um, th- that felt like a turning point. But then again, and I think it's something we touched on in the pod as well. Like Toulon were extremely poor, um, so maybe that you know covered up a, a few of the cracks or whatnot. But now, Leslie, what, what's your take on from the outside looking in on Munster? And I know you you got a chance to watch the game. Where do you think it went wrong, and how how has their season been for you overall? Like speaking generally, uh, certainly it feels like they've, in a in a strange way they've kind of continued to where they were at the end of last season where it was a little bit mixed and you don't really know what Munster are going to turn up almost. Um, I thought they, they played pretty well, but I, I don't, I don't know if yeah, it's They weren't just, overly poor, like you can't, no. yeah, they were, yeah. And I, I saw some criticism of, of Jack Crowley, which I thought was pretty unfair, um, you know, about his game management or, or words to that effect. And I thought it was pretty unfair. I thought he played pretty well, um, but as you say, they've been they've been hampered by loads and loads of injuries. Didn't they have like thirteen or fifteen players or something injured at one point this season? I mean, I don't think many teams would be, you know, playing pretty well with all those injuries. And I think, as you say, Northampton were very good and they have been playing. I think they're top of the Premiership at the moment, you know. Mm, uh, yeah. And they've they've really kicked on this year. And I I wonder if maybe not one of the monster underestimated them, but maybe weren't expecting it to be quite as tough as it was. I don't know. But yeah, I I I don't think they have anything to worry about necessarily. I think once they've got people back from injury they'll, they'll be fine and I think we'll see them you know do well towards the end of the season but I, this this game I think they were just beaten by the better team on the day you know yeah yeah um another um team that probably found a game harder than they were expecting would be to lose at home to Bath I think a lot mm-hmm. of people were expecting to lose to really do what they've done to everybody else and put up again another 50 score but Bath really made a game of it and I don't know Leslie our Bath when do we have to start taking Bath seriously I was looking at it um the game uh Bath played they brought their replacements on quite early in the front row I think it was about a 60 minute mark 
And I do wonder if they had maybe just held on another five minutes. They, they may have been able to hold out to lose, but yeah, they've been playing really well. Um, they seem to have a, a new lease of life this, this season, don't they? Uh, Johan van Graan seems to be doing a really good job. Uh, also, they've got some some big chaps in the in the centres, which definitely helps. Uh, I, I think we can take Bath Bath seriously. I think you know they've been doing really well in the Prem. They've have they lost a game yet? And a couple, a couple, but they've been. They would say that the games they've lost is where they've rotated quite heavily. Yeah, I when I you know first twenty minutes, I think uh, Toulouse went up, you know, a couple of scores, and I thought, oh, this could be a long, long day at the office for Bath, but fair play to them. They they came back and, and held on to it for you know, a good old chunk of the game. Uh, you would hope. Because I think they don't they play each other again. Is that right? Or I'm getting confused. Not, not quite yet. I think to lose have got Racing and Bath have got Exeter. Oh. So potentially we could see them again. Yeah. Uh, I I think if they played again, you you could see a similar score, providing everyone's fit. Yeah, I thought they were great. I thought to lose were really great. I I, I wasn't expecting Bath to be as good as they were, but especially because we, we saw uh, Toulouse last week, you know, giving out a thrashing. But yeah, I think we can take Bath, Bath seriously. I think they've been yeah, there. Yeah. I think they've proven themselves. A side of Toulouse that we don't see very often as well, having to grit out a win, um, kind of just edge through it and and really, it felt like they were really frustrated at times. They were, they, it was like because they, because what they do and how they play is so like on the edge if you're slightly obviously if you're slightly over the edge then it's it starts and you can see them getting frustrated but you know that star power pulled them through in the end unfortunately an injury to Jelange which means he's now out of the Six Nations which is a, a big shame uh and just, 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 uh, just one point sorry, go on, mate. sorry I just want to make one one point on Van Graan as well I think it's he's been influential there obviously and um, it does help with, with the backer uh, a big strong financial backer behind the team but what I really like about him is that I, I listened to an interview that he did recently enough and he was asked about the salary cap and essentially, you know, whether it, it's a massive hindrance and whether it should be increased. And his answer was basically like it was really like he spoke about his kids and how he wants there to be a future uh, for the game in England and how like he basically like it was so interesting. He was, he was basically arguing for like maintaining a low salary cap from what I could gather anyway, because he, you know, because of the demise of a couple of clubs in England and he, and he realised the importance of the salary cap, especially at present in England. And I just thought that was so refreshing. You know, you, you sometimes hear other coaches like Pat Lamb come out and say, you know, how it's impacting their recruitment, how they can't retain certain players. And then you have a person like Van Graan with a massive backer and he's basically saying, well, he understands, you know, the reasoning for it. And I think that's just, it was just really refreshing to hear him talk about that because that's, Obviously, a massive talking point in English rugby is how sustainable is it? And I just think it's it's great to hear a coach um, whose team are doing really well at the moment and who has a big financial backer um, is coming out with that kind of message. So what other games did we catch then? And did you catch any um, anything extra on top of these? I watched a lot of these games back. Uh, for me, Leinster, again, 
Uh, I know you don't like to talk about Leinster because you know they're they're quite predictable. I thought Leinster again were very impressive away from home. Uh, Joe McCarthy at you know at lock is a phenomenal player. He is absolutely enormous. I got to see him in the flesh a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's a big unit. I think it's going to be hard for him not to start for Ireland. And um, I think that they're they're really coming together. Um, and and yeah, I think it was. I, I did expect them to win. Um, but I just think they're becoming an even stronger team. I know a lot of people have question marks about them, but but for me, I see Leinster as even more dangerous this season because they're putting such a focus on their defence and they're they're playing a little bit more conservatively, I think. And then when they do turn it on, they score some absolute blinders. Um, and one feature of their game I absolutely love this season as well is their counter rocket. They just seem like such a like a nightmare team to play against because even if it's just maybe one player uh they commit to a rock, that that player just makes it a, a nuisance um for the opposition. I just love to see that that pressure. Uh Van der Fleer is in great form. There's there's been a lot of talk about Tig Furlong maybe being a bit um out of form of late the last couple of months or even in the World Cup, but he's been absolutely phenomenal, I think, the last couple of games, especially in the game in the weekend. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, Leinster definitely improved and it really, really enjoyed that game. Unfortunately, though, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to meet Leicester, isn't? It? And I know this is probably something we, yeah. we want to discuss. Discuss like some of these these games so are going to be kind of boring. Of, of the eight games of the you've got, uh, the eight games I think it's two same league clashes and four or uh, yeah, four repeats of pool games. So. I don't know, Leslie, we talked about the format a bit earlier. Is this it coming back to bite us now, seeing these repeat matches, seeing these uninteresting? I think Harlequins Glasgow is the only unusual game that we're getting. Yeah, they've never played each other, I believe. Mm. So that should be good. But yes, it's really unfortunate that it's we're seeing all these games the exact next round and it's not. I don't think repeat games in itself is an issue, but the closeness is the issue. If it had been we're seeing the same teams further down the line, I think it would have been yep. such a problem. But because it's the exact next round, it's just a bit of deja vu. Um, I did he- see somebody on Twitter saying that they're probably changing the format next year. Again. Again. Insert yeah. not another one gif here. Yes. <laughs> um, but I wonder if the format is what it is because, again, it was a World Cup year and yeah. there's a limited number of weekends that rugby can be played without encroaching into club games and Six Nations and all that kind of stuff. They need, they, they need to come out and say that then for me. If it's like it, it was a World Cup year, so we have to play a different format because um, the rugby championship has a different format on World Cup years. So why not just say... Yeah, the yeah, World Cup years are going to have to have different formats um, to to fit it all in. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on to the Challenge Cup then. So um, I'll come back to you again, Leslie. Um, are Benetton favourites for the Challenge Cup? They've been good, going well, haven't they? Um, if they're not favourites, they must be pretty close. Um, I can't remember who's dropped down into the Challenge Cup. We've got Connacht as well, haven't they dropped down? Connacht. Has Ulster wow. dropped down as and well? And Sale, I think. Yes, uh, Sale are playing Ulster. Yeah. Mm. I noticed there's quite a few URC teams have dropped down, but 
they've been going so well. Like I don't see why not. You know, uh, if especially you know our, the French teams may not be interested now that it's Challenge Cup and not Champions Cup. So we might see their rotated squads and might make things a little bit easier for for some teams. Yeah, why not? Why not have have a Benetton win? They were current Rainbow Cup winners, aren't they? Let's uh, Rainbow, Rainbow, Rainbow Cup winners. Yeah, yeah. still second in the ORC. <laughs> and importantly yeah. as well, I think it's important to note like Zebra are through as well. Um, they are. Yes. First time both Zebra zero wins last season. Now into the knockout yeah. rounds of uh, the Challenge Cup and um, yeah, pick it, picking up I think two or three wins. I think. They they won a game away in France as well, uh, I think, in the earlier in the pool stage as well, which was pretty remarkable. So, yeah, um, fantastic for Italian rugby. I hope they continue to carry on in that vein. Another team that picked up a win, you don't win very often, is Newcastle. Newcastle won away in Montpellier. What a result that is. Um, And, yeah, very well. I mean, I've watched Newcastle a couple of times and they've been a tough watch at times, but I'm, I'm very happy for them. They're very much... Fighting for survival um, in terms of in the Premiership, they not winning many games. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic to see. A couple of other um, bits of news that I wanted to just touch is the Ospreys got a very very strong win down in South Africa against the Lions that not many people were expecting, um, and they're now going to be at home against, like I said, Sale uh, for the round of 16, which is great. Um, obviously, the only Welsh side to progress in Europe so far this season. Uh, and uh, a quick shout out to Black Lion as well. I don't know if you guys saw this. 17,000 fans uh, in Tbilisi to watch Black Lion. That is remarkable. For all the excuses that a lot of clubs give all around the world, Not I'm not picking on any, any one country or any one club here, for not getting fans. Black Lion didn't exist three years ago, and now they're getting 17,000 fans in Europe. Like, fair play. And definitely have that that alone sends a message to the uh, EPCR saying keep these guys in because they're they're worth having so that's fantastic as well. Anyway, I just want to finish on a question from a listener. So uh, Neil McCowan, I hope that's how you say it, Neil. If it's not, I apologise. Um, uh, he was asking us. We know there's a rule in the Champions Cup about South African teams can't host semi-finals in the Champions Cup. Is it the same in the Challenge Cup? So I I looked into it a bit and. The uh, the rules about the formats for the Challenge Cup and the Champions Cup on their websites are copy and paste jobs. So they're exactly the same. The Champions Cup doesn't say explicitly in there, no South African team can host it. It was, I believe, Jake White, the Bulls coach, who came out and told the world that uh, South African teams can't host semifinals. Um, and we spoke with Maz last week about how that's because they're not uh, stakeholders in the league or the cups yet they are paying for the privilege to play in them um now you'd think if they're playing against other south african teams maybe they might flex that rule i don't know um but as far as we can see it will be the same for the challenge cup so again if the sharks or the cheaters don't make or sorry do make to the semi-finals it doesn't look like they will be allowed to be home semi-finals but we'll we'll wait and see rugby's not always logical and doesn't always join up the dots like that so uh, stay tuned. But that's as, as far as we can tell. No, they can't host a semi-final. Anyway, let's get into our um, rugby roundup then. So let's start off with the uh, PWR with yourself, Ender. 
Yeah, so there was a huge result uh, this past weekend. Gloucester Harbury beat Saracens 24-15. This was Saracens' first loss uh, so far this season. Uh, And the result also means that Gloucester Harbury are now just one point behind Saris and they have a game in hand. Tigers also got their first win of the season away at Sale and won 22-19. What's going on in the the wonderful world of the pro de you? So our, our Van curse, so they've been on a bit of a bad run ever since we made a video about them. Um, but it's finally lifted. They had a huge game against uh, Mont de Marzan, who um, were fourth in the league. And you start was really nervous. But after a tentative game, they came through 31 points to 15. So they're now back on the horse, hopefully. But there's only five points between first and third in the Pro Data. And there's a lot of games in that league. So there's a long way to go. Anything can happen. And it probably will. Also, uh, something from our guest last week. Maz, we talked about the names of rugby clubs. So who wants to guess what the name of Montabaun on Twitter is? Not Ender, because you can see the you can see the notes. <laughs> no idea. So their name on Twitter is USM Sapiak. Sapiak, obviously Montabaun, but their, their their handle is at C A B C L Rugby. And that's Montabaun somehow. There's not there's literally not an M in there. So French in it. Anyway, what about Japan, mate? The Wild Knights are now five from five uh, as they put another 70 points on Honda Heat. Not bad. And um, this again was only half round. So some teams now have games in hand. Then in the English Championship, Ealing haven't played in over a week. So Coventry are still top. Uh, after their fourth win on the bounce, this time with a narrow 40 points to 38 win against London Scottish. Elsewhere, there was a big win for Cornish Pirates over Nottingham with the game ending 41-17. And then in the AIL Division 1A, Tabletoppers Clum Tarf suffered their first loss of the season, uh, losing by three points at home against Lansdowne in a game that finished 29-26. And another big news... Uh, Dublin University got their first win of the season as they beat Shannon 38 points to nine. What's going on the Welsh Prem? So Fandovery are still going strong. They got a win over Abu Vale. They're now six points clear with two games in hand. Newport have three games in hand uh, down in third. There were two games postponed this week due to the weather. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out. If anybody's interested to learn more about these second divisions that we talk about, there's a uh, read on our Substack where we talk about all of the biggest nations, well, most of the biggest nations in world rugby uh, and where they play b- the level between URC or Super Rugby, wherever it is they play. Um, so you can learn something hopefully there. Right. Um, before we do the rugby TV guide, uh, we alluded to it earlier. Um, full contact is breaking um tonight midnight so from each of you i'd like to get one prediction um for the series what's one thing that you're expecting from it that's a bold prediction an unexpected thing that you think uh, what its biggest impact will be whatever you like leslie you can take that one <laughs> <laughs> you <can> go first <laughs> um really an original but I think I know the first episode is is meant to focus on Finn Russell so I think he becomes an even bigger household name I think he's a 
from a, a fairly working class kind of background and I think people will really take to him that they, they don't know him outside rugby. That's my really mild take. <laughs> uh, I, I also saw a little clip of uh, Andrew Porter talking about his mental health and things and I wonder if he might come out of that looking really good. That's exactly what I was going to mention, Leslie. I think he's going to come across um, very well. He's not he's not shy in talking about it. So I think um, that's a really good side to, to see. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's going to be really interesting. Um, and I think uh, the cynic in me thinks I won't enjoy the series that much. Um, just like as you touched about, you talked about before, Hugh, on, on Drive to Survive, you weren't a massive fan because you already were an F1 fan. But I'm going to try my best to just buy into it, buy into the hype, buy into the the soundtrack, which I know is going to be great, it's made by the same directors as uh, Drive to Survive, so I'm sure that it'll be good. And and look, if it gets new fans in, great. Um, but just the one caveat I have is that you know, the success I think of Drive to Survive was a once-off. Like they've done a similar series for golf, for tennis. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work. But let's not be too cynical. It'll be good, but. I don't think you you mightn't see a massive explosion in the popularity of rugby. But look, if it gets a few more people watching, it would be great. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, well, you kind of stole in my hot take after um, Leslie stole yours. Um, mine, mine was going to be expect a lot of rugby fans not to like it for exactly those reasons. Same reason Formula One fans didn't like Drive to Survive, which is okay. Like we said, it's it's aimed at new fans and that's fine. But expect there to be lots of overdubbed tackle thumping noises expect there to be lots of fake commentary over um clips of matches that didn't really happen maybe clips of matches from like a couple of years ago that they pass off as this year and things like that because that's all the things that they do in drive to survive um so yeah um and then my only other prediction would be be ready for some a rugby player who's not famous to be incredibly famous in a couple of weeks time uh so yeah anyway uh ender that just leaves us with your tv guide for the week Yep, so not an awful lot of rugby coming up, but we do have some games. So there is one URC game. The Bulls are hosting the Lions. We do have a full round of Gallagher Premiership games. There are, as of today's date anyway, Tuesday 23rd, there are going to be three top 14 games broadcast. That could change. We've got the Celtic Challenge uh, coming up as well. And then also just wanted to touch on a, a slight bit of news just on Viaplay Extra that is closing down on the 26th of this month. It is already closed down on Samsung TV Plus. Uh, this is all part of the takeover um, by Premier Sports. So just, yeah, if you are looking for the games, uh, there might be this might lead to more games being shown online on, on Viaplay's app or on their website, but we'll wait and see. Um, interestingly enough, like, Premier Sports only have two channels in Ireland. So like a lot of weekends, you mightn't there mightn't be enough. Like for the top 14, for example, I often talk about this. There mightn't be four games on. There might only be one, maybe two max. And that's because they've got so many other rights and they don't, they're only limited to two channels and they don't have a player here. So um, it will be interesting to see how that develops in the UK once they do complete the takeover. But they have planned, they are planning on launching their own player. So hopefully that won't be too much of an issue. But yeah, for any Viaplay via customers out there, they are closing that channel uh, this week. And then, yeah, one final piece for myself. Just tune in uh, on Friday morning to catch our breakfast mini pod where you'll get the full TV guide and also keep an eye out on our Twitter page um, for the full guide as well. And for me, just a final word uh, to Leslie. Thanks a million for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. 
I hope you want to come back. And yeah, really thanks for coming on. If anybody wants to buy a candle, where should they go to get it? Uh, Wickenreach.com is my website. You'll find lots of nice things over there. Check it out, guys. Okay, thank you everybody for listening, and I hope you have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.